0: A lot of people see a brick wall and they're like, there's no way I can go around it. But athletes were like, no, I'll climb over it. I'll go under it. I'll go around it. You know, I'll find a way through it. I'll run myself into the wall until it breaks. You know, it's like we find a way to get the job done. And that's, you know, such a valuable thing in life is, you know, not seeing those obstacles and being able to be gritty enough to find a way through it.
1: This is Sweat The Details, a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeart Radio, a podcast made for women
2: by women that puts our training journeys, goals, and mindset at the center.
1: I'm Tamara Pridgett, and I'm Adrienne Herbert. Every episode, we'll hear from athletes, trainers, and experts who will give us insights into how our bodies and minds work together in training and competition.
2: In today's episode, we're talking about fostering resilience. We chat with Lindsay Vaughn, UA athlete, world champion alpine skier, philanthropist, and entrepreneur.
1: Lindsay has had such an incredible career and pushed through some tough challenges, including severe injuries sustained from competition. After every fall, Lindsay has persevered and found her way through recovery and back onto the slopes better than ever.
2: Yes, that's what makes Lindsay so inspiring. I find her determination to get back up after injury incredibly relatable. And even though most of us aren't world champions, we have all faced challenges in our sport or in life.
1: Absolutely. And I don't think we should waste any time. So what do you think, Tamara? Let's jump right in.
2: Yeah, she has so many great tips and just experiences to share with us. So let's do it.
1: Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. So excited for this conversation today. Yeah,
2: me too. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite questions to ask athletes to get started is just for you to tell us about yourself. Give us a background, how you got started skiing. Um, Great question. I started in Minnesota. Um, I started skiing when
0: I was two and a half years old. Um, I originally was not good at skiing. I was just really bad at everything else. Um, I was, you know, tried figure skating and gymnastics and like a whole bunch of other sports and I was freaking terrible. So, um, <laughs> I was decent at skiing and then, uh, I just, that's kind of where all my friends were. And, uh, eventually, you know, met my idol peekaboo street when I was nine and she really inspired me to want to be an Olympian. And then just worked my tail off and I got there so it's very in footnotes
1: <laughs> were you kind of the child that was like I want to ski I want to ski I want to ski or were you like oh this is kind of fun and then your parents were like oh she's good did they spot talent or were you just like this is what I want to do
0: i think it was a combination of both those things i mean my dad was a skier growing up and it you know was something that on my dad's side everyone did it so it's definitely a family thing but I originally really didn't like the cold, and I still don't like the cold, <laughs> so that that never went away. Um, but I enjoyed it. Like I, en- I think I enjoyed being with my family uh, more than anything. So my parents never really had to push me to do anything. You know, I may have needed a lot of uh, lodge breaks for hot chocolate and donuts, but um, besides that, you know, I just loved being on the mountain, and uh, I loved racing. I think. I honestly loved racing more than I did just, like, skiing because I'm hyper competitive. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so, my, my, again, my parents never really pushed me. They mostly just supported me. And once I told them my goal of making the Olympics, they, you know, helped guide me and, you know, direct me to the right races. And, you know, then eventually we moved to Colorado when I was 12 so that I could continue to pursue skiing because Minnesota is not exactly known for its steep mountains,
1: and and having that clear focus at such a young age, I guess that must have impacted other things. So, for example, school and education and socializing, like weekend sleepovers. You know, if you were nine and you decided, okay, this is what I want, and your parents were supporting that too, did you have to make those compromises?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I didn't have very many friends growing up. I didn't get to do a lot of the things that everyone else gets to do. You know, I had a, maybe a couple sleepovers, but that was. know, with my friends from the ski club, not, you know, my friends from (laughs) school. Um, And I, you know, started traveling to Europe by myself when I was nine. You know, I was just always on the road. In middle school, I took two years of homeschooling and then I went to a ski academy when I got to Colorado. Um, But, you know, still I, I didn't fit into the program. So I eventually had to do correspondence education to finish my last two years of high school because no Um, Academy would even fit my lack of attendance uh, into their schedule. So um, definitely was difficult. Never went to prom, you know, never did any of those things. I definitely had a choice between, you know, going out with my friends and, you know, preparing for the race. And I always chose preparing for the race simply because, you know, my dad made the consequences clear you know, if you do this, you can do it, but that's your choice and you will suffer in your races. And do you want to make the Olympics? And I always said, I want to make the Olympics. So for me, it was always an easy choice, but you know, I think looking back, I definitely made the right one. There's plenty of time later in life to do all those things. And, um, you only have a short window to be, uh, an athlete. So it's better to optimize that time.
1: So it sounds like from what you've said so far, Lindsay, that, you know, you had that laser focus at such a young age and for a lot of people, maybe they don't have that. It it comes later. But do you think that, you know, fostering a a mindset, have you had to work on, on your mindset throughout different things, whether it's injury, whether it's focus, or have you had that laser approach to everything?
0: I pretty much have a laser focus with everything I do. (laughs) It's kind of like how I'm wired, but, um, you know, I'm very goal oriented. So, um, you know, if I can see something that I want or visualize, then, you know, I just work backwards from there. You know, how do I get there? You know, what do I need to do? What do I need to work on? You know, uh, and that goes for everything, not just skiing, you know, it's business as well, um, and that's just kind of something that is in me. I'm like a type A personality, you know. It's just how I'm wired, which is weird, but um also great. Um, can't say it's particularly helpful on the personal side, but you
2: know, when it comes to career, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've done some really amazing, remarkable things. Over that period of time, just like how do you stay resilient? How do you stay in the game mentally, physically? Cause there's so many just like setbacks that happen in sport that are out of your control. I focus on the things that I can control and then I kind of
0: leave the rest to, you know, like fate, if if you will. Um, you know, in skiing, I mean I can't control the weather, I can't control the snow and the wind and you know, the the course conditions are so many variables that um, it will drive you insane if you focus on that. So for me, I just really focused on the things I could control, you know, my preparation, my visualization, you know, my warm up, um, you know, what I did in the summer, you know, kind of everything led to the starting gate. And then from there, I kind of just let it happen. So that's, you know, really what I was hyper focused on. Is always being prepared, you know, being more prepared than my competition, outworking the competition, outthinking the competition. You know, it's like a physical chess game. You know, how can I be two steps ahead of everybody all the time?
1: You know, you won four World Cup overall championships, and, you know, being only one of two women to ever accomplish that. I'm interested to know, you know, as an athlete, when they have a goal, which is like, I want to be Olympian. Okay. You've achieved that. I want to win gold. You've achieved that. Like when you achieve something, how do you keep the fire? How do you keep the desire to kind of keep training, keep working hard when you've kind of, you've done it, you know, how do you keep that?
0: I'm a perpetual one-upper. So,
1: uh, (laughs) which again,
0: it's like great, but not great. Cause I, you know, whenever I achieve something, I just want to do the next thing. I, have been really motivated in the past by people saying that I couldn't do it. And I feel like once I achieve something, you know, people would say, oh, you know, she's going to sit back and, you know, she's never going to do this again. This is kind of a one-time deal. And I'm like, okay, that's definitely not the case. (laughs) Yeah. Just wait. (laughs) You will eat your words. I will guarantee you that. So, you know, those kinds of things always helped motivate me. And then, you know, if I had an obstacle like an injury – um i would find different ways to motivate myself i would find you know a timeline you know when the doctor says i can be back on snow and then i cut time off that and then i work my way you know to that point <laughs> so it's always a constant game of you know what are my goals how do i get better how do i you know achieve something more the next time that i haven't achieved yet and that kind of kept me going you know cuz you know, at a certain point I'd broken a lot of records and it's just like, what's the next goal? And that there was just always something for me to find and I never stopped that hunger to compete and the hunger to get better. You know, whenever you become complacent at something, no matter what it is, someone's gonna pass you. So that was my number one thing is never be complacent and always be hungry for that next mm. step, the next challenge, you know.
1: Yeah. I think you know going back to the the point you mentioned around injury I I think uh, I read that a physical therapist once said that with each injury you have the opportunity to learn something new about yourself so even in the moment I hate that thing you know it's frustrating let's be honest we all hate being injured I do everybody does but you know that's the opportunity there you've just learned something about your body and now you can do something differently so do you think that there's some truth to that?
0: Oh, it's absolutely true. I mean, that's really spot on. I've always felt like all of my injuries taught me something, and I always looked at it as a positive, you know. Um, This is a chance for me to get stronger mentally, physically, and it sucked, you know. Injuries always suck, but there are bright spots to it, and I do think I'm a stronger and better person because of all my injuries. Um, You know, I wouldn't appreciate the things that I appreciate if I hadn't been injured. It's being able to trust yourself because you can read a million books, you can have a million people telling you what to do. But if you can't look inside yourself and know what you need, you're always gonna be lost. So, you know, it's knowing yourself, understanding what you need. Um, you know, listening to advice, that's one thing. But knowing yourself is probably the most difficult part of it. And that's the most important part of
2: it. Mm, absolutely. I also feel like just being resilient, like it's sport. It comes with its up and downs. Injuries are a part of the game. Um, and you have to be resilient or else yeah. like you're never going to bounce back. Um, and you've had your fair share of injuries. But what was that process like each time? Like how were you able to just like get back and just keep going full force? Because sometimes you can be timid, right? Like, uh, I don't know, like I'm afraid, but I feel like you've always just like attacked everything. Like you said earlier, like you're just going to go for it. Yeah, I have a short memory
0: span. You know, it's like <laughs> once I once I crash, I learn from it and I totally move on. Like I don't it doesn't even cross my mind and you know, I work really hard to make sure that I'm physically and mentally ready when I get in the starting gate again so I never have to think about, you know, that it's scary or, you know, that I could, you know, do the same thing and get injured again. Um, because then skiing, that risk is always there. You know, every single run you take, you could, you know, break your neck or blow your knee out. You know, those are just the realities of the sport. So I just, again, worked on the preparation. I believed in myself and, You know, in in this sport, if you have any inkling of doubt, you're done. You're definitely not going to win, and you're probably going to injure yourself again if you think that way. So I just keep my memory span very short. I'm like a goldfish. It's like five (laughs) seconds and move on. And that's just helped me stay in the moment and not dwell on the past, whether it's positive or negative. I just always look forward. That's why I have my little shark tattoo. It's because I, you know, always want to go after what I want. And I never swim backwards because sharks die if they swim backwards. Yeah, so it's, you know, keep it's moving. perpetually moving forward. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, true. And for anyone listening who, as I said, they might not be an Olympian, but they're the everyday athlete, you know, they train hard, they work hard. And it can be difficult to kind of balance between, okay, listening to like we talk about trusting yourself and listening to the body and thinking, okay, this is a twinge, or this is actually becoming a pain, or this is an injury. So yeah, how do you balance that with that mindset?
0: I mean, I'm mainly just stubborn. It's like really what it comes down to. (laughs) What's your sign? What's your astrology sign? I'm a Libra. So I like balance things, but I'm also like kind (laughs) of like when I have an opinion about it, I'm pretty strong with it. But it is hard to listen to your body, especially, you know, running like I mean, my body's always said, don't run, you know, so
1: <laughs> like, I just nope, listened. I yeah, I just listened. I won't listened. do it. <laughs> um, I am
0: not built for running. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but I think, you know, the more you do something, the more you learn. So, you know, it's not quitting when you feel pain, but it's learning how to either adapt or take a day off and, you know, kind of trial and error, see what works. You know, if I take a day off, do I feel better and the pain goes away? If I take a hot tub and I stretch, does it feel better? Or you have to play around with it. The thing is, is not to give up, like not to stop doing something because you feel something. It's like whack a mole. You just have to find a way to get the mole. Like you know, it's like how many things can I try? And and resilience is important in all aspects of life, no matter what you're doing. Because if you quit at everything you did the first time you you felt something or you faced an obstacle, then you would literally never get anywhere. Um, so it's just, you know, perpetually trying and and um, finding ways to make it work.
2: Absolutely. So my question is about this transition from sport to being what we as collegiate athletes called like NARPs, like non-athletic regular people. You're still athletic, <laughs> but not as athletic. That's a great um, term. <laughs> we used to always say it. Um, what was that transition from like training, competing, always preparing for the next thing like to really just having so much free time like for you cuz in college once track was over i remember me and my friends like we were like no lifting okay i guess <laughs> like what was that like for you how did you handle it
0: uh it was hard i mean kind of at first i thought well i need a break because you know i've been working out my whole life and i need to you know just take some time off and then i thought maybe my knee would feel better if i wasn't working out as hard and then I finally realized that it actually hurt worse. So, um, And then I got back into the gym and I really, you know, after that time off, I I found that I really enjoyed staying in the gym and like being in the gym is kind of the one thing that keeps me sane because, Mm -hmm. you know, as athletes, you're, uh, you know, you're operating at such a, a high level, you know, mentally and physically. And if you just stop that, it's, you know, you can't just turn that off. Um, So I feel like in the gym, I can push myself and be competitive with myself and kind of get that energy out, um, but still have fun. You know, I keep it short and sweet. Like, you know, I never really work out more than an hour. I train with uh, Gunnar Peterson in LA and, you know, we do circuit training and, you know, mixing boxing and, you know, squats and like all these fun things. And I never do the same thing twice. And that kind of helps me keep things fresh. And then I, you know, bike probably three days a week as well. Um, hashtag chin drip, which is my new thing. It's kind of it's like if you're working hard, you get some chin drip going. Um, but, you know, it's it, I find it to be really fun because there's no structure. You know, I don't have to work out. I want to work out. And, um, you know, again, it took some time to kind of figure that out and find a good balance. But now I feel like I'm in a really good place and I feel healthy and just good.
2: What would you say are – some of the biggest lessons or takeaways that you've gotten from sport that just impact all aspects of your life?
0: I mean, I think it's just grit, you know, and, you know, resiliency and not taking no for an answer and having like a positive outlook, you know, a lot of people see a brick wall and they're like, there's no way I can go around it. But athletes were like, no, I'll climb over it. I'll go under it. I'll go around it. You know, I'll find a way through it. I'll run myself into the wall until it breaks. You know, it's like we find a way to get the job done. And that's, you know, such a valuable thing in life is, you know, not seeing those obstacles and being able to be gritty enough to find a way through it. Um, when, you know, a lot of people who, aren't in sports, you're like, well, well, that's a brick wall and it's going to be there and I'm just going to sit on the other side of it. <laughs> um, and uh, I think, you know, that's why I think it's so important that kids get involved in sports is because they learn that and they learn goals. And, you know, if I work hard at something, I get better and I, I achieve something. And I don't quit at something you know I think those are very valuable lessons in life that everyone needs agreed
1: yeah I mean I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about myself I know you said at the start being a type and you know and I'm always thinking about this nature nurture you know is this something that is born you got it or you don't have it you know that 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 mindset that like he just said about the wall I'm getting through it somehow is that are you born with that or is it nurture and if it's even an individual listening who's like I know that I'm that person that gives up I know that I'm that person that doesn't drive myself like can I develop and become that person or is it just like yes you don't have it you know <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think I it's a very interesting question and I and I think that there's to degree there's some level of you know learning through cause and effect especially at a young age you know if you quit something what's the ramifications of that it's not just that you quit it it's that you know you're you're affecting different stages of life down the road I look at my family and I think, you know, we all grew up the same. I'm the oldest of five kids and, you know, I'm very driven. My sister who's right below me. She's four years younger. She's very driven, not as much athletically, but more in business. Like my dad always jokes that she eats raw meat for breakfast. Like if she doesn't get promoted in six months, she's mad. You know, that's just kind of how we roll. Mm -hmm. And then below her, there's triplets and they're two years younger than her. And they're all very different and definitely not driven in the same way. You know definitely not so you know it's interesting that we all have the same upbringing but yet we all have very different levels of motivation and determination and what we think is possible and what is possible are, are very different even though we've been given the same message mm. our whole lives so i think you know to your point there is a level of you know you're born with it and then i think there are things that you can do to kind of help yourself along the way to make you more, you know, gritty and resilient. But the determination, the motivation, like you have to have that within, you have to want certain things, you know? Yeah. Goals
2: has been like a theme of this conversation. Lindsay, what are some goals you're currently working towards, whether they're when it comes to your personal fitness or when it comes to just your business and your brand? (sighs) Oh, what am I not working on?
0: (laughs) Um, you know, I feel like I'm kind of trying to find my brand outside of skiing. I'm pretty close. And I think, you know, kind of going on this journey of finding my way in the gym again has really changed the way I think about my brand in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm kind of more in, into VC stuff now. I'm investing and, in, in, you know, doing uh, a lot of business ventures and starting businesses. And so, that's one side of it. And then, you know, you still have the athletic side and, and again, just my wellness journey and how I've kind of transitioned my life after skiing. Um, so there's a lot that I'm doing with that. And it's been really fun. I, I, again, I feel like I'm never not driven. So I always have a tendency to work too hard and it's good sometimes to just take a break. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, uh, with the pandemic, I've been on a bajillion Zoom calls, I feel like like everybody else, and yeah. um, I'm ready to get back to seeing people in person. And you know, those kinds of connections really excite me. Um, meeting new people and you know just exploring new ideas, and you know there's a lot of doors that could be open. and just you know finding which door is the right door. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I'm just looking forward to getting back to that personal connection and and building those relationships.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we all hear that. Well, I'm sure with you uh, driving that ship, Lindsay, I'm sure that it will be successful. Uh, I want to look back to the previous question. I was also thinking, you know, did it ever cross your mind? Did you ever have a conversation about switching sport and, and competing as a pro in something else?
0: I I did. I, I really wanted to be in Formula One. That'd
1: be cool. I could see that. I could yeah. so see that. Yeah,
0: yeah I did. And I was really very heavily contemplating it. I mean, did, I did a couple of days on the track and I really tested it out. But, you know, it was a really big commitment and I couldn't say I was going to give like three or four years of my life, like right after skiing to do that. And, you know, who knows if I would have even been great at it. You know, and I, I don't like not being good at something. So if I wasn't going to be successful, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> And so it's like, you know, do spend three or four years and maybe you'll be good at it. Um, I really wish I could have been a tennis player. Like if I could pick any sport, it would. I love tennis so much. I live vicariously through Roger Federer and I just pretend that I'm him. And, you know, he's the greatest.
2: Yeah. I want to take tennis lessons. I'm not even at that point yet, but I wish I would have been put in tennis as well.
0: I was put in tennis. I was just terrible. (laughs)
2: Terrible. Yeah.
0: It's in my mind. I'm good in my
1: mind. That's all that counts. Yeah, exactly. That is the perfect place to take a short break, but then we'll be right back.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sweat the Details. We always end our interviews with like a fun game uh, to lighten the mood, just like have some good laughs. So the game that we have for you today is called Slope Savvy. Uh, so we're just going to ask you about some of the courses you've competed on. And we want to know what you liked and disliked about each one. OK.
1: OK, so first up is Lake Louise.
2: Yeah, that's
0: my favorite. Look at her face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay yep so that's your favorite
0: it's my favorite yeah i love that place
1: why was it your favorite
0: <sighs> what's not to love i mean it was one of the most beautiful places in the world and i won there a lot mm. and it was like a beautiful hotel and it was like very quiet and it was the first race of the year there was just so much to love about it the only thing is that it was really cold i'm not a fan of the cold <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise great
2: yeah okay noted
0: what about Vale? i love Vale. Vale's great um i used to live there i will only race there twice and it was great it was nice because my family could be there you know because my family can't really be at any other race because they're so far away
1: yeah okay so next one how about pyeongchang
0: pyeongchang is where the olympics were Um, I actually really liked that track. It was great. It just, it was a hard Olympics for me because my grandfather died like kind of right before it and he was in the Korean war. So it's like really high emotions, but I I love the track and it was, um, a beautiful place to be and kind of a nice last Olympics for me.
2: Wow. What about Cortina?
0: Cortina? Yeah. It's again, it's like right up there with Lake Louise. It's really hard to say which one is my favorite. Um, Cortina, again, one of the most beautiful places. In the world, you ski through these two huge, like rock cliffs, and it's like high speed and it's just stunning. And and I've won there a few times, so it's awesome. I would highly recommend going there.
2: I feel like you liked all of these. I
0: liked all of them. There's really nothing that I didn't like.
2: Which ones did you dislike?
0: Bad Klein Kierkeim, not a fan. It's uh, in Austria, I call it Bad Time. Had a lot of bad luck there. Um, Bad luck, bad weather. There's not a lot of places I don't like, and I just, it didn't suit me, and it wasn't my thing. It's not that it's a bad place. I just don't like it. So that's like probably my only negative that I would have to say about any tracks.
1: Valid. I have absolutely loved this conversation, Lindsay. I feel like I'm so inspired, so pumped, so motivated. I hope that the listeners are also feeling the same. I'm sure that they will be and that this is giving them whatever they needed right now to just really understand that they can always find a way.
0: Thanks, guys. I appreciate the conversation. And yeah, I hope people get out there and get motivated and stay healthy and are happy. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you again to Lindsay Vaughan for joining us and talking to us all about creating resilience and making your goals happen no matter what. I absolutely loved hearing her story. I feel so energized after that episode.
2: She was great. I love it when you talk to people and they just make you want to be better at whatever it is that you do. Like after we spoke to her, I'm like, let me get it together. Like I could be more mentally tough. I could just be more direct. I could be more fearless. So it was so wonderful to speak to her.
1: Yeah. And I think echoing that, you know, we hear a lot of women in sport talk about confidence and about resilience, but I feel like Lindsay really just embodies that in every way. You know, the way she shows up, her honesty and her directness and her vulnerability, you know, she's not about trying to appease everyone or trying to sound perfect or tell people what they want to hear. I think she was so honest and just telling people the truth. You know, this is what it takes. Her mindset, as she explained from a very young age, was so focused and she didn't apologize for that. She was just like, I am going after this goal Mm -hmm. and no one's going to stop me. I loved it.
2: Yeah, she's absolutely unapologetic. And I think it's super refreshing to see, especially as women, because we're often told, you know, like, don't be so outspoken or like when we are direct, it's not taken as direct, all those little things. But you can just tell like that is why she's gotten to this point where she's at today. So it was really refreshing to hear um, so many things that will just like stick with me for so long. I'm super excited we had her on.
1: Yeah, me too. And I think who knows what she'll do next. I think somebody like her, I just think she's unstoppable. So I'm looking forward and excited to see what the future holds for Lindsay.
2: Absolutely. Whatever she decides to do, we already know she's going to be amazing at it. Mm -hmm. So it is that time where we check in on our goals.
1: Yes. And what a great energy to take into our goal set. As you said, you know, I'm going to channel that Lindsay Vaughn energy of being unstoppable. So I'm going to kick off and put it out there. Tamara, I checked in with the London Marathon team. The event apparently is going ahead in October. So I officially have 20 weeks to train for the London Marathon.
2: That is so exciting. I remember you were like, I'm not sure what that next goal is going to be. We thought it might be a marathon. We weren't sure. I've never done one. So, power to you. Um, What are you most looking forward to when it comes to the London Marathon?
1: Uh, I'm really looking forward to running, you know, in London. I think London is this where I ran the London Marathon, my first ever marathon back in 2017. The crowd is always incredible, and because it's you know the capital, I feel like so many of my friends and family will be able to be there along the way, and that really helped me last time. Looking out for people at mile six, at mile ten, at mile fifteen, mm-hmm. you know, mile 21, when you just really want it to be over. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to hopefully friends and family coming out to support. And I guess just being back with other runners, you know, it's been, it's been a long time. So I'm really looking forward to it. How about you?
2: Yeah. So I've spoken a lot about training for the heptathlon and a lot of it has just been, you know, building that foundation, building that base, both mentally and physically. So it's been great to just see how far I've come I'm going to be doing a competition. I don't know when or where, but before the end of the year is over, that's exciting. And we're beginning to get more into the technical aspect of things, which is fun. So not always just running, like getting to uh, play around with some of the field events. So I'm just really excited um, to continue to learn and grow as an athlete.
1: Well, good luck with the competition whenever that is. I will be following along online, so please do share and post and let us know how that's going. I'm sure all of your hard work and dedication is going to pay off. So I'm looking forward to continuing to watch that journey.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm also looking forward to watching you crush the marathon. I'm going to like run it vicariously through you. So you you have to post so that like I can I can feel as if I'm doing it right there with you. (laughs)
1: I absolutely will. Trust me. I am not going to run a marathon and not shout about it. <laughs> Literally, that I, whole down is a long you way. You have to share. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And as always, we would love to hear from you, the listeners. So please do reach out to us on social media. Cheer us on with our goals and keep us posted on your goals and progress as well. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adrienne underscore L-D-N. And you can find me on Instagram
2: at TamsGoingHam and on Twitter at Tamara Pridget.
1: That's it for this week's episode. But don't forget to listen next week when we are speaking with Haley Deegan. She's a NASCAR phenom who is going to tell us about how she trains for such a unique sport.
2: I'm so excited. But until then, stay tuned in, stay motivated.
1: And don't forget to sweat the details. Bye. Bye, everybody. If you liked what you heard on the show, subscribe for free or follow the show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review.
2: Sweat the Details is a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio.
1: Our show is hosted by me, Tamara Pridgett, and me, Adrienne Herbert. Our executive producers are Jess Tribstein, Giselle Lewis Archibald and Molly Sosha. Our supervising producer is Maya Cole. Our
2: producers are Ellen Kaplan and Kellyanne Toll.
1: Our assistant producers are
2: Natalia Tamayo and Bella Walco.
1: And our sound editor and engineer is Sarah gibbel laska
2: Keep up with the latest news in women's fitness by following Under Armour Women on Instagram at Under Armour Women.